0: Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast, Phoenix, Arizona. Inside your program, you're going to find this sheet here that says prophecy on the top and meaning why prophecy matters. And we're going to be reading from Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. Let's start out just by reading that. And here's what it says. The revelation of Jesus Christ So, many of you know that I was gone last weekend, and I got to tell you a little bit about this story, because we had kind of an amazing trip. I, I have been asked to do some writing for our church, and so Julie and I were headed over to San Diego, so I could kind of get into a, a, a place, quiet place, in a mode where I could get some writing done, and by God's grace, that did happen. But on the way over... <laughs> We weren't sure whether we were going to make it. We were outside of Dateland. I don't know how many of you have been on the road to San Diego, and, and of course, you go through Gila Bend, and they are headed through the desert, about five or six miles to the west of Dateland. Our car starts doing one of these and hesitating, and then it slows down. We're at 65 and then 60 and then 55 and 50. And... Uh, we go, man, we, we better pull over here to the shoulder of the freeway, and cars are whisking by, and I look over to Julie, and she looks over to me, and I say to her, what did you do now? No, I didn't say that. Just kidding. I can't believe you believe, you guys would believe I would say something <laughs> like that to her. What? Anyway, we, 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 we looked at each other, and we started talking. Okay, what are we going to do? And... Um, Fortunately, I have this amazing phone. I mean, it's not just a smartphone, it's a smarter phone, really. I mean, it is it's the smartest phone around. I pulled it out and I had a signal and on there's Google Maps. And uh, I'm looking at it and I'm, and I'm seeing that if we can just get a few more miles down the road to this little town called Tocna, there's actually a side road that we can kind of skirt and get off the freeway and drive and hopefully get to, to Yuma. So, so I say to Julie, who's behind the wheel, let's, let's, uh, cause man, I don't want to be behind the wheel while all those cars are whizzing by. So. So she's driving, and uh, we're on the shoulder of the road with the blinkers going and going about 40, 45, uh, and that's a little dangerous. But we get up to the next exit, and slowly, 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 we're able to make our way to Yuma. What would normally have been about an hour trip was a two-hour-plus trip, just kind of puttering along. And the last part, you have to get back on the freeway, and you drift down into Yuma. We literally coasted into Yuma. Found a hotel for the night. So what are we going to do? Here we are in Yuma. We don't really know too many people in Yuma. How are we going to figure out where to go? Well, you know, enter the smartphone again. The smartphone is amazing. You can look up car repair places. You can actually Google them, or you can yelp.com them. And we got on there, and and we sorted through all the different places, and we found that this one guy's name kept coming up, George. George over at Accurate Automotive. Man, there's a lot of product placement in today's message today, isn't there? Yelp and Accurate Automotive and Google. Anyway, we take our truck to George, and as we're talking to him, we can tell he's someone really trustworthy. And so we leave the truck there, and we're thinking to ourselves, okay, now what do we do? Are we going to get to San Diego? Around lunchtime, I call George back, and he says, you know, with the way this is acting and putting it on the diagnostic, it looks like it's going to be the catalytic converter that's a problem, and that's going to take a couple days. So now what? Are we Are going to stay in Yuma, or are we going to somehow figure out a way to, to make it to San Diego? Which we do. We end up getting on the smartphone again and uh, finding a 19 dollars a day rental car. And we go to Enterprise and pick it up. And... Um, And we're on the road, and I look down at the radio, and on the radio, it says XM Radio. And I'm thinking, sweet, this rental car has XM Radio. Now, I've never been in a car that has XM Radio. How many of you have XM Radio in your car? Okay, you lucky people. (laughs) Did you realize there are 250-plus stations on XM Radio? I love news, and I love sports talk radio, and I'm telling you there are endless possibilities for news and sports talk radio on XM, all right? And I'm playing with each one of them, and as I'm listening to the news on all the various channels, all of a sudden something hits me. Okay, if I go to this particular station, I'm getting the news totally from this angle, and they're telling me, you know, that x is going to happen and and then if i go, you know, just slide a couple stations over, i'm getting the opposite like a 180 degree different opinion about what's going on in our world and where that's all leading. Got me thinking about news. I brought today's paper in. You know, news is kind of an interesting thing, isn't it? About current events, but it's also commentary. And the more I was listening to the XM radio, I was was realizing there's a lot of predicting going on in the news these days, and a lot of commentary. Take today's paper for example, example, right here, top pages, as stimulus nears end, new pains will begin. Will begin. New pains will, that's a prediction. How are they making that prediction? And how... How do we even know that that prediction is accurate? Because I'll tell you, in a paper like this, if you read through the whole thing, you're going to find that opinion and you're going to find the opposite opinion somewhere in there. Isn't it scary to read the news sometimes? I mean, it's confusing to, to listen to it. I don't care if it's XM Radio or you're old school like me and you still get a newspaper dumped on your, on your driveway every morning it can it can be anxiety producing to listen to the news these days and that's why i think god gives us his news channel not xm but gm god whatever m stands for because we need accurate news We need accurate commentary. We need accurate predictions of what's going on in our lives because too often, if you start to build your life around this stuff, around the anxiety that it produces, or I know people that are literally addicted to this stuff. I mean, they'll wake up in the morning. They don't even make their coffee. Now, I can't imagine that. They don't even make their coffee first, and they go out, pick up their newspaper, and start going through this to figure out what they need to do in their life. And they'll spend two, three hours in the morning scanning the papers, including all these wonderful ads. Now imagine if you believe all that stuff and act on it. And that's why it's so important for us to hear the Apostle John say this. Let's go back to our text. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him, To show his servants what? What must soon take place? You want to know what's about to take place? John says. Here's where to get it. And here's the source. You know, this is only as good as the source. John says, you want to know about the source? God himself made this known by sending his angel to his servant, me, John. And I testify. That's a powerful word, isn't it? Testify. This is like in a courtroom where you raise your right hand and you say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. I testify to this stuff, to everything I saw. This is the word of God. This is God's newsflash and the testimony of Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus tells us. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. You read this, you listen to XM, you're rolling the dice as far as whether or not you're going to get blessed. You read this, you listen to this, God himself says, you will find blessing. And so that's really what this message is kind of about this morning. Where are we going to get our news flashes from? We're going to get them from the fancy XM radio in our car? We're going to get them from the newspaper on our driveway? We're going to get them from what we read on our computer screen? Or are we going to get our news and build our lives around what God Himself says will bless us? Blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. This morning, I want to give you six reasons why this is where you and I, we need to get our news. So let's dig in, pull out your crosswalk notes. Here's why this news is so powerful and so important to you and to me. Revelation means that, revealing. God is unveiling his plans and his heart to us in this book. Now, I want to tell you something. I put both plans and heart because there are two definitions to the word revelation and its companion word prophecy, because those two words mean something very similar. Whether it's revelation or prophecy, it both means God speaking out about what's in his heart and what's in his plans. Now... Specific, the specific literature we call prophecy in the Bible, the Bible is about 27% made up of this type of literature, where, where God is saying, here's what I want you to know about what's coming up and sort of predicting the future. That's prophecy in a narrow sense. And, and the Bible does use the word prophecy and revelation in that sense of, of here's, here's what I'm going to tell you about what's coming up. But there's also a wider definition of prophecy and revelation. And you need to know that because the Bible also uses the word in that sense. And in that sense, 100% of this book is revelation. 100% of this book is prophecy because it tells us all of it, what goes on in God's heart. And so prophecy means both things. It means both what's coming up. Let me tell you about that. And it means here's what's going on in my heart and mind, from God. All right? So, God is unveiling his plans and his heart. I want to talk first about the narrow definition part of that and how God sometimes wants us to know what's coming up. Do you believe that? Because I'll tell you, you know, sometimes if you look in the Bible, it might seem to us that God loves to surprise us. I mean, he's an amazing God, powerful, wise, If you and I, if we had followed Jesus around, I think we would have seen a lot of pretty shocking, surprising things. We would have seen people seated by the road who had been blind from birth, and Jesus walks along, and even though they had been blind from birth, he looks at them, dabs a little mud on their eye or whatever, and boom, they can see, all of a sudden. Shocking. We would have seen 5,000 people all gathered around getting hungry. And Jesus' little conversation with his disciples, how, how are we going to help these people? <laughs> like, dude, I don't know. You fixed the problem. Aren't you the son of God? I don't know how we're going to do this. We've got five loaves and two fish. And what happens? Surprising stuff happens constantly around Jesus. They all get fed. And there are baskets of food left over. But there are also times clearly... Where Jesus doesn't want us to be surprised, where he wants us to know what to expect, what's coming up. One of the places where we see that so clearly is when Jesus says, and take a look at your crosswalk notes. He says to his disciples, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Here's what you need to expect, he says capital T trouble in your life all right but he also says here's something else to expect along with the trouble take heart because I have overcome the world let me tell you a little bit about what was going on in in the time of the book of revelation when the apostle John was writing this this is the year 95 AD okay And in 95 A.D., we're now 65 years after Jesus has died and and, and been raised again, the the gospel has spread throughout the entire Roman Empire. Churches have popped up in homes and places everywhere all around the Mediterranean basin, and there are now thousands and thousands of Christians. And, And in the midst of this, as the church grows, there develops a threat to another kind of worship, a very popular and heavily enforced kind of worship known as emperor worship you see the romans as they went around one of the ways that they controlled people was to say the emperor the roman emperor is god and you had better listen to him because what he's telling you is godly stuff now as the christian church grew of course what would the Christians say we're really not too interested in worshiping this emperor guy And, of course, the Romans were determined that people do worship the emperor because they wanted to control and They were a police state. Back in this day, if you were broken into in the middle of the night or if your body was harmed or if your property was stolen, it might not just be events going on in your life. It might be the police state acting to enforce emperor worship. Now, we have things like that going on in our lives, too, job loss, but our jobs are not being taken away by an emperor. We have health issues, but usually that's because something's going on in our body. It has nothing to do with, with the emperor sending his goons in and breaking our arms and legs because we're not offering incense to the emperor. This is what's going on. And John knows that his people need to hear, look, Jesus told us this. He told us that in this world we will have trouble. And we need to know to expect that trouble. In fact, take a look at what it says in Revelation 1 1. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place in this world you will have trouble but john goes on to say and this is the message of the entire book of revelation so important for us to understand the theme of this book yes when you look at outward things you have trouble but take heart you follow a savior who has overcome the world not important for us to know even today Because we're still going through stuff. It's not necessarily the emperor, right? But some of us are suffering with empty bank accounts or maybe bank accounts that are beyond empty and in debt. Some of us are suffering with job loss and health issues and all kinds of things going on in our lives. And it came unexpectedly. And and I'm telling you, that's when it's hardest to deal with is when it hits you out of left field. When I used to play football, it was horrendous when you're running down the field and all of a sudden you think you're going to tackle the guy and someone comes out of left field and blasts you and you're there looking, seeing stars because of the unexpectedness of it. God says to us, newsflash. Don't let this stuff hit you unexpectedly. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I want you to know what to expect. So take out your notes. Prophecy is to foretell or to predict the future. And God gives us prophecy, and this is one of the greatest values of prophecy, Because it lets us know what to expect. And God wants you to know what to expect. Now, as I said, that's the narrow definition. There's also a wider definition. And the wider definition is for God to just tell us what's going on in his heart and mind and what's going on in his world. It's very much simply like being a news broadcast. When when God prophesies, he's saying, Let me tell you the news. Let me tell you what's going on in here in my heart and mind. And so in that sense, prophecy means to forth tell, write that down, or to simply broadcast the news. When Julie and I were stuck and I pulled out my super smartphone, I had an app on there called Google Maps. And... And that Google Maps app, when I pulled it up, showed me, as I told you before, that there was a little side road that we could go on, and that little side road would take us off the freeway and lead us into Yuma, hopefully safely. What if that app had been totally messed up? What if instead of that side road leading us into Yuma safely, it took us out into the middle of the desert and dumped us? You see, we've learned that there are certain sources that we can trust, right? And when I got on there and I looked at my very smartphone and saw that Google app, I just trusted it. And I thought, this is accurate. I can go this way and this is going to happen. I'll get to my destination. But you and I know sometimes when we listen to the news or when we use stuff, it's a little dicey about how accurate it is. And yet people are building their lives on this stuff. And that's why it's so important for us to have an accurate news source. One that we can fully trust and we know this is it and we can rely on it. You know how accurate this news source is? Look at what the end of the book of Revelation says about it. Revelation 22, 18 and 19. It's in your crosswalk notes. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. If anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this scroll. Will you circle some words in here? Circle the words add to, and circle the words takes words away. What's it saying there? That this is so truthful, so solid, don't even think about adding to it or taking words away from it. Just build your life right here. This is the most accurate news source that you can find to build your life on. And God wants you and me to know the truth, the solid truth. So that's our second point. In prophecy, we have what's coming from God's heart and what's coming from God's mind, and because he is God, we're getting the solid truth to build our lives on. Build your life here, not here. You know, one of the beautiful things about getting to Yuma was that in Yuma there was a hotel room and a restaurant where we could get some wings and have dinner for the night and know that the next morning when we woke up we could figure out how to take care of things That if we could just get that far we'd find what we needed and so we followed that smartphone map, and we got there, and indeed, all those things were there. You know, in our life, we like to know, don't we, that we're going to get to a place where we're going to find the things that we need, where we're going to be blessed, in other words. And in fact, that's often why we scour sources like this, isn't it? Because we're looking for something that will give us an edge, Help us understand a little bit more about what's going on in our world. Help us maybe find out how we can obtain blessings in our lives. Now look at what John says here. Look at what he says. Verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Have you noticed how many times I've read this aloud this morning? Blessed is the one who reads aloud the word of this prophecy. Man, I want blessing. Why don't you read it with me? Come on, let's read it together. We'll all get blessing. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. You want blessings? You want to reach that destination where you're going to have all that you need? Here it is. Take a look at what it says in Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and whose who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. What a promise! Now, I want you to notice something else about this verse. Blessed is the one who does what? Does not walk in step with the wicked. You see, the way we get to blessing when we study this word is that it leads us to repentance. It leads us to stop walking in step with the wicked. Stop Standing in the way of sinners. Stop sitting in the company of mockers. The psalm writer knows that's our natural bent. We're sinners by nature. But consistently, prophecy and revelation calls on us to change. To change our hearts. To change our minds. To stop walking this way. Stop standing that way. Stop sitting over here. Because that's wickedness and mockery. Repent of that, the Bible says. And as you repent of that, through that repentance, you're led to a place of blessing. And so that's what prophecy does. Here you can write this down. It leads us to repentance and then to blessing. And here's a whole beautiful reason to stick to this book and its newsflash. And it's prophecy because God wants you to be blessed. There's one other point about being blessed, though, that the Bible makes really clearly. Imagine Julie and me standing there, sitting on the shoulder of the road, and I'm looking at my Google Maps app, and I'm seeing that road, and I can see. And then we just go... Nah, who cares? Let's just sit here. Unless some very kind person or maybe highway patrolman came along and rescued us, we could have been sitting there for quite a long time. Because we were sitting there for a little while talking over what to do. Nobody stopped. You see, a lot of people think that being a Christ follower is simply about knowing. But the Bible makes it clear that it's not simply about knowing. Knowing is not unimportant. It's the beginning. In fact, it's critically important to know Jesus and to know God. But it is only the beginning. The Bible tells us consistently that we are to hear the word of God, and then we're to go full cycle and put it into practice and then hear it again and put it into practice some more and that's a consistent cycle that we are to live out in our lives this word is practical and tactical wisdom for our lives and we are to follow it in action look at what it says in 2 Timothy 3:16 all scripture is god-breathed and is useful for teaching for rebuking For correcting and training in righteousness. Will you circle that word useful? This stuff is useful. It can teach you what to do. It can rebuke you if you're doing the wrong thing. It can correct you and get you to slide over into the right path. It can train you. And training is always about doing in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for knowing For feeling, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So here's what I want you to write. Prophecy is practical and tactical. And when we make it all about knowledge, it can become a prideful thing. When we say, you know, I, I can spout off 25 passages from memory, or I know the complete Line of all the kings in the Old Testament, or I can tell you the full story of what happens from Genesis to Revelation. Here we go. That can lead to arrogance. Look at what Paul says. Knowledge puffs up, while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know, but whoever loves God is known by God. Don't just study the roadmap. Follow it in your life and act on it. That's what it says here. When you know the truth, act on it. Because God wants you to possess wisdom for life. We've got a couple more points to go. But here's... Here's what I want to say. In a moment, I'm going to ask the band to come out. And here's why. At this point, there's a, a very important break in the thought. You may be able to tell what's coming up in the future because you've studied this well. You may have a good, solid idea that you're going to have trouble, but you're also going to have Jesus who overcame trouble. You're going to, you're going to know what you need to know, truth from the Bible. You're even going to be putting that practical wisdom in your life. But if you have all that and yet you're missing one thing, which is the key thread of all prophecy, you're literally missing it all. So the band is going to come out, and they're going to play a song. And while they're playing this song, I want you to ask yourself, what's this key thread that I'm looking for? What is this thing that is really what prophecy is all about? What, what is the one thing that even if you have all the wisdom, can make all the predictions, can, can build your life and actually act on all this wisdom, but if you don't have this, you miss the whole point? What is it? It's the cross, isn't it? It's the fact that the one key thread that all of this prophecy from Genesis through Revelation points to is all that Jesus has done for you and me, that he died for you and me, that he shed his blood for you and me, that he rose from the grave for you and me so that our sins could be forgiven, that our guilt and shame taken away. Take a look at what it says there. But these are written... John writes in his gospel that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior, your Savior, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. That's what it's all about. God wants you to have life now and in eternity. And Jesus is the game changer when it comes to having life. God wants you to know Jesus. He is the one key thread throughout prophecy. And one last thought. I can tell you on that trip, we got out of Phoenix late. By the time we were stuck on that road, the sun was down about here. And I I knew, and Julie knew, that we did not want to be parked on the shoulder of that freeway with cars whizzing by after it got dark. We did not want to be puttering along at 40 miles per hour when everybody else was doing 70 and 80 in the dark. We knew that while it was still day, we need to move it along and get to where we were going. And that's what John says here too, isn't it? He says, you know what, don't forget this. This Jesus who is your Savior, who died for you and who rose again for you, he's coming back, this time not as the suffering servant, but as the king, as the judge, as the one who will invite all who believe in him to enter eternal life forever with him. And John says at the very end of this first set of passages in Revelation, because the time is near. Paying attention to this news flash, paying attention to this book, this prophecy, this unveiling of God's heart is urgent. It's urgent for you and it's urgent for everyone around us. Why are we doing this love one another offering? quite honestly, because the time is near. And this gospel message of Jesus Christ and his imminent return is something that as many people as possible need to hear about and they need to hear about it now. Look at what Jesus says. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Prophecy, the final reason why it's so critically important, is that it keeps our eyes focused on the prize. And God wants you and me, constantly and consistently, to walk in preparedness. He wants us to be prepared for His return. You want a beautiful, beautiful summary of what this message is all about, and what it is about is the why? Just as we said, why does prophecy matter? Now, in the coming weeks, we're going to dig into the details of prophecy. We're going to have a lot of fun with this series. I want to challenge each of you to come back. I'll talk more about that in a minute. But you want to hear a beautiful why from the Apostle Peter? Let's read this together. 1 Peter 1, 19 to 21, and we'll end on this note. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. What an amazing passage that is. These guys spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, and this is reliable stuff. Here's what I want you to do to take some next steps. If you want to, you can actually pull out your communication card, your connection card, and write down one of these and commit to it in writing this week. I like to often have people do that at the beginning of a series. And one of the things I'd like you to do is take the prophecy challenge. Commit to coming back every week during this series and hearing more, learning more about what Revelation and prophecy are all about. We're actually going to be sitting down in the book of Revelation for quite a few weeks here. And for those of you who are are interested in learning more about what this book is all about, come on back and join us each Sunday. We're going to pay attention to prophecy like Peter says there. And then I want you to act. I want you to think about this love one another offering. We have a huge vision for this community, for this city, for our world. And that's what we're here for. This is what we're here to do as as. Jesus tells us to do good works. And so we're going to get out there and do them. You can pick up packets of information on the back table on your way out today. And then finally, will you meditate on and memorize Revelation 1-3 this week? Here's what it says. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart, what is written in it, because the time is near. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you have given us your amazing words. You have given us the news that we need to have from you so that we can live our lives based on a solid foundation of truth. Lord, help each heart and mind today who who are in this room to be touched. First of all, lead us to repentance, to a change of heart and mind. Lead us to, to realize that we have a message that we can fully rely on. And that we have hope in Jesus Christ, your son, who has washed us clean from all of our sins. And help us to build our lives on him. He truly is the game changer in our lives. Lord God, Heavenly Father, tune out all the other sources of news that might clutter our minds. And help us to stay focused on this one thin thread. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.